Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. Rollerblades. Okay, wait. I have a question though. Like, what is the difference between a rollerblade and a roller skate? Like, do roller we get... skate, I think, is the like the derby ones, like four wheelers. Well, like, I was talking to someone. Brackets. I think it was my roommate, and oh. I was like, I got roller skates, and he was like, Well, not like roller skates. So I said rollerblades. Okay. And he was like, Well, yeah, that's hard. It's not like the, the inline. Line? Oh, but who's saying inline blades? No one. So maybe should I be saying roller blades? I think blades, yeah, because I always say it's blade in season. Yeah, I mean, like that's the cool factor, but I mean for like people to understand what specifically I ordered. Roller blades. Roller blades. Because I would say roller skates are more like the disco derby kind of like do do do. You can is dance this factual on them. though? Because no, it's hard. Because, this is Amy Flex. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I was like, skates are just like one line. Yeah. So then it would make sense that roller skates. Um, are also just inline skates. I mean, I would rock both, but we've got roller yeah. blades. We have inline skates. <laughs> <laughs> we've been practicing. Yeah. Because we want to get, look really good for the summer. Yeah, we're going to be really cool. Um, first night went okay. It did go well. Yeah. Only... Alex only fell a couple times and bruised herself badly. I only fell once super badly on a crosswalk with people that I knew going by. It was actually really horrifying to watch from a terrible. distance. She was rolling down a slight <laughs> not decline. Even slight. No, it wasn't slight. It was like, <laughs> it was not aggressive, but it wasn't slight either. Okay. It was a definite decline. Yeah. Probably a scale of like one on a treadmill. Uh-uh. More than one Two, on a treadmill. Three? I would say like three? four. Okay. <laughs> Amy, go back it was, and look. It was scary though because uh-uh. you graced no, yourself. Go look at, we are walking there tonight and I swear. No, and we're I'm blading not there tonight. Okay, fine. Bring your blades here. <laughs> yes, okay. always. Um, no, you were not on the precipice of this. It was scary to watch. There was a car stopped for the crosswalk, <laughs> which was worse. <laughs> With a child and mom watching Alex and me from a distance on the grass, like, no, because I couldn't get there fast and enough like, to help her. I was like, brace yourself, because she was like, just scary, because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was also still new. Like, I haven't bladed since was, I was in. Amy, that was one week ago. <laughs> You're now. I'm now pro. Yeah. Problem Skates. was. That on the other side, there was a lip and an incline. Yes, that's where I was And I didn't pick up my feet. I I just fully hit the lip, and then I I just ate it. Yeah. Right (laughs) now, I think my biggest concern with blading is how do we stop? Um, Because for me, on skates, like, you do the side stop, and it's like, on ice. Right? You say that like you can do that really well. I can't. Well, I can do it. I can do it as well as, like, hockey players. Yeah, I'm not, like... But the roller blade break is horrifying. It's like not enough. It's like just slow, slow. And I'm like, this isn't, I'm going way too fast. So I've learned to just slow down. And then I just walk on the grass to completely stop myself. So that's why I was coaching you. Okay. My biggest concern right now, I mean, stopping is definitely in that, but it is uh, bending my knees and learning to pick up my feet when there's like a, a lip or something. Yeah. 
You yeah. almost caught yourself going up that same crosswalk. Yeah, but I did. I you did do you it. Even you even said did. I did better. You did. You looked so much better from the start <laughs> of our, like, one-hour session to the end of it. So. Oh, my gosh. And I was hurting for days. Be prepared to look at some social media posts of us oh rollerblading. <laughs> I'm going to be so good by the end of summer, though. You looked cute in them. I Thanks. took a great picture of you. Yeah, you did. On you your... had a great photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. Still photos? Great. Videos of us? Mm. Getting there. <laughs> okay. Um, we're so excited. We have my longtime friend, uh, Nick Yarmi, on our episode today. Oh my gosh, Nick and I became friends, like we knew each other growing up in a small town, but our friendship began, well, with a fender bender and uh, <laughs> a burn CD um, that I gave Nick after I hit his car and uh, we've been friends ever since. <laughs> you know what, actually when I was just at home, Leonard, my stepdad, told me that he was digging around some old CDs and he found a burnt CD that you made him when he was our soccer coach. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's a real throwback. (laughs) Right? You're welcome, Leonard. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what songs are on it because I didn't see it, but I need to grab it and listen to it because I'm sure it's great if Alex made it. Yeah, Yeah, as like a (laughs) nine-year-old. Completely, yeah. I'm curious to know what's on there. I guarantee you that that there's Aretha Franklin on there. I was really big into Rita Franklin in that era. I think it's like dad rock. It's oh. kind of the vibe, you know? Okay, so then maybe I tailored it towards Leonard's taste mm-hmm. instead of mine. That's really cute. Yeah. That was nice of me. <laughs> yeah. That's super cute. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, that, that goes in well to um, our question. What's the most small town thing about you, Nick? I would have to say that I absolutely hate paying for parking. Like, I don't think it should be a thing. I I still to this day don't allot for time to find parking or time to like pay for it. I just think you should be able to drive somewhere, park right in front of the door and then walk in. Yes, yeah. correct. Right? That's <laughs> yes. how it works. <laughs> that was the biggest culture shock for me leaving a small town. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like even me being back um, back in settler area, I, I agree with you 100%. I, you kind of forget it, right? And then when you go to the city, you're like, Great. I need 15 minutes additional yeah. to park and mm-hmm. pay for parking. And also yeah. $15 additional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm late all the time because of that. What about you, Amy? Yeah. Right now, I am obsessed with the idea of getting chickens for my backyard. I live mm. in town and I really want chickens. I want them for the fresh eggs, but also I kind of think they'd be fun pets. So I've been researching a lot and talking to a lot of friends who are raising chickens and I'm hoping to get some soon. I'm one of those friends you're researching with. Is <laughs> well, that true? You're really good because you're like, you should get like bougie chickens, not just regular chickens, Amy. Like you should get like silkies. silkies. Yeah. <laughs> Are silkies like a special kind? Yeah. They're Nicole like, Richie has them. Yeah, she does. <laughs> they're like black and like gorgeous. They have, like, like for chickens. They, they, have, they look like they're wearing bell bottoms. Like they're styled. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you gotta get fancy ones. What What about you, Alex? <laughs> it's the most small town thing about you. Oh, I was thinking, actually, this made me think of it when Nick, before we started, he said, well, yeah, let's just let her rip. <laughs> and um, we talk, Nick and I talk a lot about, like, Berta accent and how it's hard to kind of describe it to people, but you know it when you hear yeah. it. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a specific, like, hockey boy accent, you know? Yes. Yeah. You gotta drop your G's on everything. You're going fishing. Yeah. <laughs> really country, yeah. Yeah. 
rural. And it's very like, oh yeah, how's it going? Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm, it's, I don't know. It's like kind of slow and like drawn out a little bit. Yeah, you did a good oh, job. Oh yeah, just just hanging out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Nailed it, Nick. <laughs> we had Nick on to talk about what Amy and I are calling gay superpowers. Yeah, honestly, all my gay friends are, are people who I identify. I'm just so blown away by them. Like they are literally superhumans. It feels like they can do anything and they can accomplish anything and they're so brilliant in so many aspects like emotional intelligence mm. like intellectual capacity creativity like I'm just I'm and so like, fascinated and doing like and then you said because I had went on a date and Amy was like and I told like what she did and Amy's like god every time you go on a date with a woman they're just like amazing people like doing yeah. cool jobs like they're just yeah. every time she's like hit it out of the park wins mm-hmm. um and then mm-hmm. we were like what is there a superpower like what's in the water yeah and then we <laughs> started talking about it but you know we're so glad to have you on to help digest you know more of the lgbt community and like in terms of that yeah what do you what do you think about this idea nick i think just genetically gay people are superior to straight people in every way <laughs> No, I'm obviously kidding. Yeah, there's something in the gay gene that just makes us better. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I have kind of noticed that too, I would say. I think partly it's kind of the people we surround ourselves with tend to be kind of higher achievers. Mm-hmm. But I think there is also a piece of it, like a queer aspect of it. Um Maybe I'll just clarify what I mean when I say queer also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I identify, well, first when I came out, I came out as gay, but now I identify more as queer. And for me, that just kind of is a less restrictive label than gay. It just kind of encompasses more things and has more flexibility and allows like certain things to be fluid and change and stuff. It's like, it's not fixed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you feel the word yeah. Queer so when I quit, say queer, I include like lesbian, gay, bisexual, pan, um, mm-hmm. everyone on the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. All the legitimate All the yeah. I heard a comedian <laughs> one time call like LGBT. She was like an older drag queen doing a comedy show, and she's like, "Yeah, like I really like the LGBT acronym because it sounds like somewhere I would go on vacation, like LGBT." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to LGBT. <laughs> so I always think of that though. <laughs> like but part, yeah. part of the thing that I was thinking is like you know like when you watch a movie and there's always like that underdog I'm mostly thinking of like sports films that Disney always made but like you always have that underdog team and then they like they get all this energy and they're like we gotta work harder um, so we can mm-hmm. get this momentum so we can win and part of me is like is it kind of this like underdog or you're like coming from a per- like place of adversity so you're just motivated almost to prove Mm -hmm. yourself that much more. Mm -hmm. I think for some people that's probably true. Um, And I think for a lot of marginalized people, whether we realize or not, we do often have to work a little bit harder than people who aren't marginalized in that way to like prove ourselves. And I think like for me, as a kid growing up, you almost think being gay is a bad thing. Like that's kind of what we hear from society, which is not true. But we think, oh, like being gay is bad. So I need to be like perfect in every other way, right? Like I've got to be really good at school and, you know, 
I've got to be friends with everybody and I've got to like achieve all the best things to almost like compensate for mm-hmm. that thing that you're that you feel like is bad about you yeah yeah so I think that can be part of it I also think though like the like adversity piece is important as well because when you have to struggle you learn things about yourself namely that you can overcome difficult mm-hmm. things right and so I think that we learn from that experience of like being kind of an underdog or kind of like whatever you go through that and you learn to be able to maybe like trust yourself and know that like you can do it a little Mm -hmm. bit I don't there's like a quote that's like something about like how the ability to like hope and be resilient comes from struggle right like you can't Mm -hmm. learn to overcome struggle without struggling you don't just get born with it so we automatically have a struggle that we can try to overcome and so it's like you kind of get that practice okay I think that too I think it's like your adversity is really faced in those younger years because obviously you're trying to figure out your identity and you're sorting Mm -hmm. it out and so in that meantime you're trying to acquire as many skills and abilities and adapt super well and I think a lot of my friends that I can draw to mind like they're so powerful in so many ways that I'm just like mm-hmm. blown away impressed whereas my hetero friends like they're so impressive like it's so impressive oh, yeah. group of people yeah. um but they're maybe not as diverse in like yeah. well-rounded dynamic of like they can do literally all of these things and I think mm-hmm. I think you I think you kind of tap into that I think I the like- emotional intelligence piece you mentioned earlier too like I think a lot of that comes from again like most marginalized people whatever it is have to learn to like live in two worlds. It's what um, the sociologist W.B. Du Bois called um, double consciousness, I think. And he was talking about the black community, how basically you have to learn to be black and white, right? Whereas mm-hmm. white people just mm-hmm. be white. Um, but in order to survive and thrive and move through the world, you need to be able to almost like read the minds of other people. You need to understand, okay, like, is this safe? Is this not safe? What are they thinking? What did that person look at me a certain way? You have to, you're very perceptive. You're very, um, because you have to be because of like for literal safety, like it's kind of like, you can't just bumble your way through the world obliviously because you need to be paying attention. Yeah. You have to suss everyone out. You meet like, is this, is this person someone I can be myself in front of? Do I need to code switch? Do I need to talk a certain way? Do I need to act a certain way? Do I need to turn it off? Do I need to turn the gate down? Right. So these are all calculations that we're doing in our head 24 seven when we're mm-hmm. out in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. You just know so many things. That is really good. <laughs> that's, a, that's really well. Yeah. Like that's just really well said. I, I think about myself, like I'm, I love traveling by myself a lot and I'm mm-hmm. a pretty casual risk taker in terms of Me like, too. I'll get in a car with someone. They're like, Hey, where are you going? And I was like, I'm just hiking up the road. And like, they're like, I'll drive you. I'm that person. But I think when you mentioned the BIPOC community, you mentioned, you know, LGBTQ, like they Mm -hmm. are doing it out of safety. And of course it layers on with everything else, right? Like being a woman and being queer or being queer and black or disabled or whatever, right? So it's another layer of calculations. Here's the thing too, is that people who are faced with these adversities, they have a little more like they're reflecting about it constantly. Yeah. But also I think 
this is maybe two where we see like mental health concerns because they're working in overdrive as well. Like they are, like you said, you're constantly analyzing, like, can I turn it on? Do I have to turn it Mm -hmm. off? Do I have to be conscious about what I'm going to say? And then, and then because you're constantly having to do that, maybe that also brings up, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's exhausting. It can be mentally and emotionally exhausting. Yeah. And this is actually proven by research. It's called minority stress is the concept Mm -hmm. in like public health. Basically they can like, they do studies of different populations and their health outcomes. And after you take into account all the other factors of someone's life, being marginalized adds like worse health outcomes on top of that, that are just strictly accounted for by like homophobia, right? Like just the stress of being queer in a homophobic world actually in general on average leads to worse health outcomes for minorities. So it's like literally quantifiable and observable that like this, takes a toll on our health wow that's like (laughs) i didn't even know that yeah it's crazy like even after you account for you know like how old you are whether or not you smoke whether or not you drink like what your family support system is like after you count for all of that like there's still there's still negative health outcomes just by virtue of being a minority because of the stress yeah and that's not to say take away like if you even think about you know the safety of even coming out right like Mm -hmm. it's not always accepted in family Mm -hmm. situations and certain homes and so there's that added stress as well the acceptance within the own people that you care about and love and surround yourself with so Mm -hmm. that is and acceptance of yourself yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) reading each other's minds completely yeah i think that is so psychologically damaging to grow up basically rejecting part of yourself right and that like the toll that that takes over a long period of time just thinking and again not that every queer person thinks this way but many of us do especially when we're young we think this is something that's bad about me this is something I have to hide this is something that if I tell people they're not going to accept me and it's something that often we wish we could change right like how many queer people like have a story of being a kid and wishing that they could just wake up one day and be straight because it'd be so much easier right like mm-hmm. that is that's so damaging yeah mm-hmm. absolutely why don't we like flip this conversation on its head and talk about all the things we like love about yes. being gay and like what are yes. the great things well it's pride yeah. month so this is well time yes. Um, yes alex was quite sad because she we wanted to go to pride this year but with covid i don't think there was anything going on yeah, yeah. maybe so. there'll be some virtual events yeah. I think there was last it's year. Not the the same, MVP, though, right? It's not at all the no. same. No. Because it's about community and it's about the celebration of being together as a minority. I right? know. Yeah. I know. But, it's gonna be so people sexy. just need to like listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, we will like, like this podcast <laughs> to make sure everyone True. feels <laughs> the celebration. But yeah, what are some amazing things, Alice, you were just saying yeah. that we love about the queer community? Yeah. Here's one thing that stands out to me being a mixed race person is the acceptance of other people. I've never seen a community that is just so rah-rah for literally everyone. They are like, mm-hmm. yes, we are here for you. Like, you know, minority races, minority groups, like, you know, they're just about accepting all people. And I think that's because like LGBTQ people are everywhere, right? It cuts across every single social group imaginable because it's for as far as we can tell it's just random right like who's going to be queer who's not or who's going to be trans it's not just queer people but like we come from every walk of life right we don't come from the same race or the same country or the same 
background. We come from every background because queer people mm-hmm. are everywhere, right? And so it is a diverse group, which is so beautiful, yeah. right? Yeah. And it took me a long time to appreciate them, I think, and to like better understand these like gay superpowers. I like obviously partly because like all the messaging we get a lot, especially years ago, it's just like queer tragedy, right? That's all we yes. see in the media. It's like being queer, your life is hard. Being queer, you're going to get AIDS and die. Being queer, you're going to get hate crimes. Like, that's literally, yes. that was like what we got told about what being queer is. Yes. And that's so not true. I mean, it's true, but it's not complete. Yes. Hey, when I think of like, I love, and I've, I've talked to you about this before, but like when I think of dating a woman, it's like all those like preset rules of like what a relationship is, they're not there. Um, yeah. And that's like one of my favorite things because I, I didn't realize how much I kind of felt um, the boundaries of like um, a female male relationship, just even mm-hmm. things like, okay, mm-hmm. like changing my last name, I don't want to do that. So if I'm with a woman, I think there's so many ways and more accepting to be like, okay, let's match our names together. Let's pick a new name altogether. Whereas yeah. there's so much tradition um, rooted in kind of like the hetero Man relationships. Woman, yeah. Yes. That yeah. it's hard to go quote against the grain. Whereas like if I'm with a woman, there is no grain. You just make it, you just make it your own. Yeah. And that's super freeing. Like, I think like celebrating that is huge too, because it's like, it kind of challenges even your hetero friends to be like, what is the point? Like, what is Mm -hmm. the point? Why are we holding this so tightly? Like, is it really that you have to have four kids in a, you know, a beautiful home by the age 35? Like, no, these are not ground rules for everyone. Yes. So yeah, the, the, very the breakdown of tradition maybe and accepting you know all decisions for people if you don't want to have kids at all right like yeah yeah, it's great that's absolutely I think one of the best like queer superpowers I wrote down all the ones I could think of because I didn't want to forget any and that was one of them because yeah it's like well we're already breaking the rules by being queer so like let's just break them all and do it the (laughs) way we want to do it right like let's make a relationship that makes sense for us there's no default for what a queer relationship is supposed to look like for the most part, because Mm -hmm. like, again, we don't see it. If you're in a straight relationship, there is a script that you can fall back on by default. That is, you know, the man is this way, the woman's that way. And this, you know, those kind of like sexist pieces to it, but we don't have a script. Like we're just you know, we're just making it up as we go along. Improv. Yeah. Daily. We're improving it. And it's so great. <laughs> the it's rest so is still unwritten. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that, is that a song title? Yeah. Natasha okay. Medicine. Well, that's Natasha, really yeah. It's probably on that yeah. bird scene that we mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Staring at the blank page for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of more gay superpowers, but like for me, the other one is like we mentioned was the emotional intelligence. Like, and I think you're right. Being able to read a room, like I know some of my queer and gay friends are just so receptive. If we're in a party or a social situation, they're like, Oh, like they picked up on things. And I like to think I'm emotionally intelligent, Mm -hmm. um, but like they will sometimes pick on things, pick up things that I didn't, at all I was like what mm-hmm. no and they're Their like spidey yeah. senses seriously yes. like like just being in tune with each person and I think part of that too also comes from one of the queer superpowers I wrote down is being an outsider any marginalized community you're on literally the margins of society so you're an outsider and 
that allows you to see things from a different standpoint that people who are inside those systems maybe don't see. It's like the fish in the water, right? But like, we're not a fish in the water. We're like a bird that's flying outside the ocean and we get to like look down into the ocean. You yes. know, and so we see it from a different perspective. It's not that one perspective is right or wrong, but it's a different perspective. And like, that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what I appreciate too, as a hetero cis woman, I'm like, okay, like I appreciate that alternative perspective. And I think that's also for me, is like an extra superpower because I'm like, I didn't think about it. Some of my friends didn't think about it like that. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, superhuman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's like one of the really unfortunate things when we don't listen to people who are outsiders. Like when we don't value the opinions and perspectives of people in marginalized communities, we're losing so much, right? Like, not to mention it's just like morally and ethically not right to like not listen to people, but it's like, we're literally missing parts of the picture if we don't include everybody. So, hello. Yeah. yeah. How do you make a puzzle if you don't have all the pieces? Exactly. True. We love right. a metaphor right. here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about queer style. Oh, oh okay. Yes. The note, the, the bullet point I have just says culture, history, art, music as a superpower (laughs) like creativity right so creative so creative yeah some of the most creative people I've ever met yeah Um, and across history like how many like great artists and stuff like that like were queer Mm -hmm. even if they weren't necessarily like recognized as queer like in their time stuff like that yeah well like and that must be still like from going against the grain right like being this outsider Mm -hmm. Um, just breaking all not like I don't like saying breaking the rules but like essentially yeah. like yeah you well you're like questioning the norms yeah. right and you yeah. are yeah yeah and I do okay. want to be careful that we don't like essentialize queer people as all being the same obviously like anything uh, yeah. that yeah, we're saying is we're not saying that all queer people are this way like no. I know lots of people who are not this way you know like I've yes. been on Grinder. I've seen the underbelly of the queer community and there are plenty of not emotionally aware not woke not compassionate not empathetic people on there so like this is we're not like we certainly don't want to like generalize about the queer community but we are talking about like trends that we've seen in our lives and I think they definitely are trends thanks for making that as a note and that's like that's with anything right you can't generalize yeah all of us Amy's yeah I just know she's not gay she has some superpowers exactly right right? like (laughs) my best friend is straight you know (laughs) my mom is straight and I love her and just the same just the same (laughs) (laughs) we also have to be really self-aware and like because like to come out of the closet means that you have done a lot of serious thinking about yourself and the people around you and like what is this going to mean for me and coming out is probably the most vulnerable thing I've ever had to do and but on the upside of that is like you get that opportunity to be courageous, right? Like so courageous and just lay it all out there. Cause how many people do that? Like how many, how many people do you know that have to like go to their mom and dad and like bear their soul basically, you know, to say, Hey, like this is me. Like that's so hard to do, but I think that it has so many good upshots afterwards. Yes. Right. And just, you have to know yourself. Before well, you I can mean, get like, that point. 
Yes. And I think like, I think while there can be like struggle in that, maybe it's not accepted and things like that. But you, I mean, yeah. like you do grow from it, like yeah. either yeah. way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And not, yeah. it's not always going to be like, let's make a rainbow cake and eat it. But yeah. And everyone can be happy. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry, gay culture in terms of like yes. trends. Yes. And things. Um, what is like a celebration that really stands out to you in terms of gay culture? Well, let me just say that basically, okay, this is how like cool things happen. It usually starts in the black community, often black queer community. Then it okay. trickles into the not black queer community. Then it trickles into the straight community. So by the time straight people get a hold of things that are cool, we're already on to the next thing. <laughs> you're just you're literally like lighting the fire (laughs) we are like so like literally like on god so many trends and cool things whether it's slang or fashion you can directly trace it back through those paths wow that's so interesting you brought up the black gay community and like i wonder is there like i've never heard of like it being a separated isolated thing but i guess but that is you haven't lived yeah i was gonna say i was like tell me more I miss yeah like okay so basically drag a lot of drag culture came from what's called the ballroom scene and this was um ballroom is where like voguing came from have you like you know Madonna song oh I know voguing yeah voguing so voguing came from black queer communities when was it it would have been 50s 60s 70s 80s kind of thing mainly in New York was the epicenter of the ballroom community and Paris is Burning is the classic movie that is like a documentary about the ballroom scene if you haven't seen it and to all the listeners out there you have to watch Paris is Burning it's required reading (laughs) so basically the ballroom scene ball is a place where it's a competition where mostly trans queer black people but not entirely um, come together and they do these competitions where there are different categories. So you would like walk in a category, which means you, it's almost like a fashion show. So the category might be executive realness. And that means, oh, and these are mostly poor communities as well. So at the complete margins, many sex workers, very much at the complete margins of society, the assignment is to sell to us, make us believe that you are an executive. Like we need to believe that you are the CEO of the company, even though you're not, right? Even though the jacket you have is maybe stolen and the pants you have you found in the dumpster or whatever, right? But you need to make us believe that you are the CEO. So everyone will walk the category and then they there's judges, they'll rate you. And then at the end of the night, someone wins the ball. And there's all different categories. There's categories for trans women. There's categories for trans men. There's categories for femme men. And yeah, it's so beautiful. And that's where voguing started and that's where like a lot of culture that then trickled into the broader queer community you can trace back to the ballroom community that's so and a lot of slang so much yeah hit me with the slang give us some sample y-a-s yeah that one yeah right yeah like yeah queen yeah oh like serving serving is a lingo that comes from that or like turning look like turning a look or serving a look like that comes from yeah yes yeah Yes, serving a look. They say that. I also like have kind of loved TikTok for that. Like, it's just it knows what you want, right? And like, all my TikTok is amazing. It's just old people and gay people, and I love it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) same. There is a big trend for gay TikTok. I I feel like Alex. I'm always like, you're gonna make my TikTok all gay TikTok, and all all mine are is like van life and 
DIY projects. <laughs> it's like mine. So, but the it most is... horrible thing is happening on my TikTok algorithm. Somehow oh, it's no. becoming straighter, I believe, <laughs> and I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> like it's so horrible. <laughs> I don't know what's happening? I'm like, okay, oh, I need God. to make sure I like all the gay videos that come across, just so yes. that she knows. Like, I know yeah. that you're listening. Like, give me what I want. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. Tragic. Yeah. Tragic. Yeah. 2021 tragedy strike. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, um, Nick, oh my gosh, you have so many great things to say. So we super oh. appreciate you being on here. What message can you give our listeners? Maybe that they can have big ideas or like if they're facing adversity, how to be how to be their true selves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you get a little bit of that superpower up in your life? Mm-hmm. For one thing, just as far as like the adversity thing goes, I just like want to put it out there for anyone who's listening. Like if you think that you might be queer, you might be questioning or whatever it may be, like if you feel like you're alone, just like you are not like absolutely like I think there's three people right here who are in your corner for sure. So I want to put that out there. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that usually stands in our way is what we believe is possible. So there's a really great quote, of course, in Nick Yarmie fashion, I have a quote because I have a quote for everything. And it's by Seneca. And it's, and to me, that means it's not because things are difficult that we do not try. It is because we do not try that they are difficult. A lot of the times, like, we give up on things before we've even tried, because often, like, people around us or society are telling us it's impossible. And a lot of the times, like, it's probably not impossible. Like the biggest barrier is just believing that we can do it. Like Mm -hmm. we sent humans to the freaking moon. (laughs) How? We blasted this hunk of metal filled with people out of the atmosphere and it landed on the moon. Like if someone told you we could do that, you'd be like, that's impossible. But we did that. So like any, in my opinion, if we can do that, anything is possible. So like, don't let anyone tell you that, oh, we can't do that. Or like, you know, we couldn't have, a society where everyone's equal that's impossible or you know we could never end poverty that's impossible or things like that you know it's like I don't think it's impossible if we put our if we put our heads together I truly believe that we can do anything absolutely yes. what a good message to yeah I feel that's inspired so I do <laughs> yeah. I was in a grumpy mood and I am feeling great <laughs> yeah, she seems less grumpy now I am it's all you Nick. Oh my god. Okay, well thank you. It's time for Jar of Questions. Okay. Also, thank you for the write-ins. We have to shout out to Lori and Alicia. Oh my god. You guys had some great write-ins. We're gonna fill up the jar tonight. So thank you. Yeah, our jar is full. Uh what is the first CD you ever owned? Oh my gosh, I remember this. I think I put this in there. It is Donna Lewis. Okay. Do you remember her? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you Um, know what she sings? Yeah. But, I want you always, forever, near and far, closer together, everywhere. You I will be with me every day. You mm-hmm. will be for you. Say you want to love. Da, 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 now it's time to tell, tell me. That's it. Yeah. Donna Lewis. And like, it's so funny now because I actually asked my mom if she remembered <laughs> yeah. if she knew what our first CD was because we went as a family to go buy it. Oh my god! It was like my mom. And all of us kids, minus my dad. This is the Donna Lewis song. I want you yeah. always. You got it. This was my first CD. And it was like, 
my whole family. Oops, sorry. I was going to play. That's it. I love you always forever. We went to the the drugstore because you buy CDs at the drugstore then. Yeah. And we all decided we were going to get Donna Lewis, mostly from my mom. But my mom said after that, my older sister turned to her and was like, mom, why didn't we buy something cooler? Not Donna Lewis. Oh, no. Because like she's only really known for that one song. But I mean, she's got a couple to, to us. Yeah. To everyone, I would say. I mean, it's name, name five more Donna Lewis songs. Oh my god, I couldn't even name this one. I know. <laughs> I could, I could sing you it though. Um, That's pretty good. I'm gonna do you one a little different and uh, name you the first cassette tape I ever got. That's a real throwback. Yeah. So yeah. I remember I wanted the CD. Um, Does this look infected by some forty one? We were at the drugstore, you know, you go through the drugstore, all the CDs, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want this. And my mom was like, that is not an appropriate album cover. Like, we, you will cannot buy that. They were grungy. They were kind of like edgy, punk, bad, rebel, Yeah, could not listen. Well, I could listen, couldn't buy that CD. So I bought the Rankin Family, okay, cassette. And this is like, oh my gosh. Tell my mom when I come home, the boys won't leave the girls alone. My hair and my Who's that? Right it's girls, right? They're from like the East Coast. Okay, I actually don't know what's worse, Donna Lewis or the Rankin family. <laughs> I actually think Donna Lewis wins. Oh, 100%. You don't get to say the Rankin family is better than Donna Lewis. <laughs> oh, I would play that cassette all the time when my friends would come over. It was a real party. You know what? This is funny that we say this as like Nick brought up how I made his dad a mixtape for being my soccer yeah. coach. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so good. Oh my gosh. One day we will play those jams. And we'll turn it to you guys. What is your first CD that you've ever owned? Or cassette. Or cassette. Yeah. Hopefully it's not the Rankin family. <laughs> yes. For your sake. <laughs>